Welcome to Sport and Life with uh, Sam Kekovich and Leon Wigard. And Sam, how are you? Well, I'm outstanding, Leon. Why wouldn't I be? Not a cloud in the sky, the yellow orb shining brightly, <laughs> uh, a bit of a lacquered in my step, a bit of a spring, smell the roses, COVID free now for a month. We beat the bug. God, what's there not to like about it? Looking forward to a lunch with uh, Jerry Ryan, our mentor, and uh, of course we'll have a couple of Mitcheltons with him. Oh, that will be some meal, Jerry. Uh, with Jerry, I should say, Leon. Yes, his 70th birthday. And tell you what, he made a splash about it, and no one's missed it. See, the, the daily tissues. Every race meeting welcomed uh, Jerry, over the hill Jerry on your 70th. How big is he? He's just left an indelible plant everywhere he's gone. Well, he, uh, I don't think he's very pleased about the over-the-hill business, but then again, no. I have suggested that that'll be the next wine out, an over-the-hill Shiraz by Mitchelton. Well, you've always been creative, Leon, and there's a lot to be said about your grey matter and your marketing uh, expertise. In fact, I like it a lot. And whilst your coffee's being delivered, I may have one strong <laughs> latte with one sugar, please. Our, our, guest today, our guest today is Jeff Henke. Jeff Henke is the father of Winter Sports in Australia, and he joins us in our studio here at the Prince Hotel in St Kilda. Jeffrey, uh, a distant relation of mine, by the way, Sam. Uh, in what regard? A, he- a hecky and a Wigard came out on the same boat from Germany in 1853 or something. The Bismarck wasn't built then, Leon. <laughs> it was a boat called the York, and a, the Wigard married a hecky, or the hecky married a Wigard, <laughs> and that's how we're related. It goes right back in, in, 150 where, years. 150 years. What part of Germany do you know? Well, our, our mob were from Fulda uh, area, uh, Westfalen. Yes, Westfalen West too. Uh, in uh, Westf- you're also. So well, yes. they might have they, they, they were, might have been shacked up before they caught the they, boat. They were they were cousins originally, and they married, and they had oh to get God. special permission that's, to marry. That's yes. what's wrong. Yes, that's what's wrong. <laughs> it's amazing when you look at the bloodlines of you know you two respective high achievers. <laughs> uh, it's almost mind-boggling that you've ran second. <laughs> in the big Tw- dance twice twice <laughs> so, anyway Jeff Hickey is a uh, is an icon he um, he, he put uh, the winter sports on the map and in fact uh, Jeff when you first, I mean you, you're always interested in the uh, skiing you married an Olympian a winter Olympian and your daughter is a winter Olympian um, uh, you saw a need and you you joined all, all of the federations you had to eventually finishing up on the AOC, the Australian Olympic Committee, and you convinced them that they had to put more energy and effort and money into winter. That's correct, Leon. When I first joined the Olympic Committee, uh, Edgar Tanner was the president, and uh, I think in his mind there were about three sports that, even in the summer sports, only should be eligible for, for the, to go to the Olympic Games, summer games, of course, and that was uh, track and field, swimming, and his own sport, boxing. And the rest, uh, and the rest could just uh, stop at home and not be eligible. And as far as winter sports go, well, what are they? Well, to use a, uh, a Sam Kekovich, I think he might have boxed too often with his, without his helmet on because he also cost us an Olympic Games in water polo in yeah. 68. He, uh, he was the guy that instigated uh, that team not being able to play and that goes back to your ice hockey career too right back in 56 yes I was selected for the hockey team of course and we were all packed up to go 
and uh, he was the one that stopped us. He was secretary at that time of the Olympic Committee. He later on became president, yes. Yeah, who else was in that team? Lindsay Fox. Was Lindsay in there? Great mate of Jeffrey. Ah. He was a defenceman. Very right. hard to get past. Well, I reckon. <laughs> if you saw him today, you knew exactly why. It should go in goals. I think they never score. <laughs> Tell me, uh, I, I, I Google with interest. Uh, you're willing to pay your own your own fares across to the games, and they still reneged. The AOF didn't respond to your uh, request. Is yes, that right? well, Tanner was the, was the fellow that stopped us all the time. Uh, he actually worked for the Herald Sun before he became a parliamentarian, and uh, he was. Qu- very, very had the, had the press to a point, except that Harry Gordon was also at the same Herald Sun at the right. time, and Harry was very pro for us going. We we made headlines and goodness knows what, but we didn't go. <laughs> Jeff, I'm a Myrtleford boy. Uh, yes, you know the foothills of Mount Buffalo, Falls Creek, so I know a lot about snow skiing. Uh, what I must confess, I'm very, very raw in ice hockey. Now, I read with interest in the 40s and 50s. When, I, when you talk ice hockey to me, I think of names like Orr, Wayne Gretzky and the Stanley Cup. Correct. You know, Canada, America and, and all those names. Czechoslovakia. But when it comes to Australia, ice hockey to me is a very much a pioneer. I used to go to St. Moritz once. I remember skiing on, on, on the skates there. That's about the extent of it. So it must have been very, very, uh, in, very much in its infancy, was it? Well, no, ice hockey goes back to the 1920s and the Glaciarium in Melbourne and there was a Glaciarium in Sydney and they played for what they call the Good All Cup and it's still being played to this day. It's, it's uh, very popular and, and now, of course, at the Ice House when, when it's open. The O'Brien's, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, they, they've, every Friday night uh, during the winter, the, the packed houses... Ice hockey's really. That, that's. It's, I keep saying to the to the hockey people, uh, the administrators, uh, you you really don't understand the potential you've got. It's a great game. It's the fastest sport in the world, as far as a team sport, and uh, it's it's a great game. And the standard is excellent, excellent. So then the obvious question beckons: If it's had that much momentum, why couldn't the the powers that be see it in that light? Was it a big? On the global stage, it would have been a big sport, Olympic sport, I guess. Well, it's the number one sport in Russia. It surpasses soccer. It's certainly in the same in Czechoslovakia, apart from Canada being a national sport. And NHL, as you know, is National Hockey League. It's one of the four sports in America, come Canada. Uh, it's, it's, so it's, why couldn't you get the endorsement from the powers? Uh, I suppose there's too much opposition to the point that... but. The, the, no, it, it's it's got to, it, it's there to be done. There's no doubt about that, and it's a matter of understanding the potential. I talk to uh, Michael O'Brien quite a lot, yeah, and uh, he can see that too. It's just a question of the hockey people, uh, hockey boys. Um, they're too self-centered. If you know, not being critical of them, but that's a fact. They, they they think too much of their game instead of looking beyond the, the bigger circle. picture. Mm. Yes, the bigger picture's there. Would you have been a medal contender in your time? No, definitely not. Definitely but, not. That's okay. But I can tell you now, there's a one boy that's now playing NHL National Hockey League. Yeah. It goes back. To, uh, he's the first ever, and he plays the Washington Capitals. Uh, you mentioned the Glaciarium. Just before we leave people struggling, uh, a lot of people won't remember that. Uh, St Kilda Road in the uh, Arts Precinct now. Oh, it's where the Herald Sun building is now, mm. yes, yes. 
So, uh, so we had the two, and, and then the they had one out the other side there, yeah, at, uh, yes, yes. out past Moravan. So was St Moritz, did that serve any purpose? Well, that's where he played. Oh, you played at St Moritz? And then I went to a team at the Glaciarium, we called the Raiders. I was about the only Australian playing in it. At that time, there were people from Czechoslovakia, uh, Hungarians and Canadians, and that made up the team. The standard has been excellent over the years, I must say. Well, on a bigger scale of things, Jeff, um, I personally, as a water polo player, and a, a bloke that's deeply interested in uh, in that, of course, um, I worry about the future of team sports in, in international events such as the Olympics because of the number of people. Cost, you know, the uh, there's 15 people now. When I when I played water polo, 11 was a travelling squad, yeah. with seven playing in the water at one time. Ice hockey's got a similar problem when it's a big it, it, number. It's a bit, a, 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 and now women as well, so yeah, you yeah, double the numbers. A proper, a, a full size team, including medicos, etc., it's about 25. Mm. Well, so if women start, uh, are women playing, I guess they, they are. Oh, yes, they are yeah, now. They're, well, mm. good, good, uh, and I mean this, good luck to them, that's good, but it does add Funding. problems of getting access to facilities yes. uh, and certainly selection in these international teams. And yes. yeah, I, I just worry about how long those at the top of these international bodies are going to be able to force their way into the Olympics well, and the Commonwealth Games and all these other events. Well, the politics come into it. If the men can go, the idea is the women should go. That, that's the politics of it. Uh, the national federations, uh, they're, they're, they're bound to send the women as much as they are to send the men. I read with interest also when I Googled it, uh, you've been certainly front and square of Australian skiing. Yes. Snow skiing. Yes. Now, our farms where we worked at Myrtleford aligned with a name you'll certainly know. And I remember to this day where I was when the news filtered through of this Malcolm particular... Malcolm Mill. Malcolm Mill in 64 at Innsbruck. Yes. Uh, which I know you were there, obviously. That, that was Rossi's brother. Ross, Mal- yes, sorry. Yes. sorry. Malcolm, he's your mate that's still alive. Sure, yeah. sure. Ross. Ross. When Ross got 64 at Innsbruck, I'll never forget, we were there, we were stunned, because our families were in, in a place called in uh, Buffalo River. Yes. And... Uh, almost a join not far from each other across the bridge and when news filtered through from Innsbruck that Ross got killed yeah. you know it was just a, you know you could hear a I don't know a pin drop throughout the whole of the community you're right well the Milne boys Ross and Malcolm Malcolm's the younger one yeah. uh, Ross went with the team an alpine skier of course and he was skiing at Pachacofal which is yeah. uh, where they ran the downhill and uh, for uh, for the games and other other games as well after that and Ross uh, went off the track. The tracks those days weren't as well prepared as they are, and he, he struck a very deep snow, and he couldn't turn and finished up hitting a tree, and that, right. killed, that killed him, yes. Um, do you know uh, a couple of things you may not know about uh, Jeff Henke, uh, Sam, is that he is a uh, former vice president of the Australian Olympic Committee. Uh, the rink down at the ice house is named after him and for very good reason because he was the power behind getting that done and how long was that project? Oh, well it goes back to John Kane's era there we Well, the, uh, that's <laughs> John Kane, the junior thing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, the ice house, is, there's two Olympic sized rinks there and uh, that's a great attribute for uh, the figure skating, speed skating and, and actually hockey. Hockey is a big team sport. 
And you've got the Victorian Olympic Council in there now? Correct, yes. So it's an Olympic administration centre, yes. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, uh, Jeff has been working in successfully now uh, on a fantastic facility in Queensland. You should tell us about that, Jeff. Well, um, the, our, what we call our alpine skiers, uh, freestyle, it's different from, from uh, alpine skiing as such, the freestylers, and it's uh, aerial skiing, mogul skiing, snowboarding, etc. And uh, we, for the last 13 years, have been going every winter, uh, the European winter, to, uh, or to, to USA, to Salt Lake City, where they've got what they call a water jump ramp. And you, you have your skis on, of course, and you come down this plastic surface and you, there's kickers that they, they, they wind up and you take off and you do your, your various tricks with your wetsuit Kickers on. for kicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we've been doing that for 13 years. We've been very successful, actually. We've produced the Kirsty Marshalls and the Jackie Coopers yeah. and Elisa Camplins and uh, Lydia Lassler and so forth, you know. And they're world champions and Olympians, gold medalists. But we've always had this problem of going every year and the cost of it and the times and so forth. I uh, came up with the idea with our federation we should try and get a water jump ramp, but not in the snow where every, everyone in the world's there except that what I'm talking about now, we should go to Queensland where they could use it 12 months a year. So at the Sleeman Centre where they ran the Commonwealth Games, there's an indoor uh, beautiful uh, pool. Facility, so, yeah. Beside it, we they built another pool, for, especially for the water jump ramp, uh, and it, it was multi-purpose. You could use it for water polo, Leon, and uh, swimming, etc. And at the end, of course, where it's 11 foot deep, that area, and it's a bit wider than the normal Olympic-sized pools. And there's the ramps, and there are these kickers where they come off, and the one kicker you come down, you do a single, and the others you do triples, and so forth. And uh, we were just about to start with the with the ramp when uh, Campbell Newman came to power and, and cancelled the whole thing, the, that the pool had already been built. Now, uh, just I'm pleased to say that uh, a month ago, uh, the pool's completed after a lot of po- politics and uh, our athletes are actually using this pool. So fantastic. It's fant- and it's, it's 11 storeys high and it, it's really something, it's 11 foot deep where they come into and they put bubbles in the pool when they're just about to land. Champagne. It softens the water. <laughs> you, don't, you don't drink it. <laughs> That's interesting, though, isn't it? 11 yeah. storeys up, yeah. so you're coming down like the clappers into 11 feet yeah. of water. water. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like jumping you, into a thimble. And then you get a kick. <laughs> yeah, a kick. <laughs> now, is that, by the way, uh, have they named that after you? It's his name. Yes, it is. Well, that's yeah. uh, that's appropriate. That's yeah. good. So, so he's got the rink down here named after him and the... And the kicker up there, named after him, yeah. uh, which is fantastic. And by the way, he's also a member. Uh, are you the only life member, international life member of the uh, uh, International Ski Federation from Australia? Uh, yes, I am the FIS Federation National to Ski. I'm a member, life member, yes, correct. Yeah. And of the AOC, which is important, yes. Gee whiz, I don't think... Well, the dinner table would be fairly bacon, I suspect, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I always ask a lot of uh, a lot of our guests, particularly without being disparaging the elder ones. Yeah. We had Frank Sedgman just recently, yes. of 92, 93 yeah, years yeah. of age. You know, and you've seen it all evolve over a period of time. I asked him about equipment first and foremost, facilities, uh, and in skiing, I guess, and in hockey, you would have seen a 
perhaps not so much in hockey, but certainly in skiing. An enormous amount. The Innsbruck University specialise in naturally skiing. It's the national sport of Austria. Right. And uh, they have uh, uh, professors and so forth looking at the whole aspect of skiing, the way you ski, the techniques, and the, the, way, the, res- the way the resort should be designed and the equipment. Mm. And uh, what they've done now over the last few years, they've shortened the skis in length. They've made them more wasted, so therefore they're easier to turn. And all those aspects come in, and the safety bindings that release after a certain amount of pressure, all that's been recognised and been very successful for the sport. And that's why you've got to admire people like that. I always remember, I used to watch slalom skiing. Yep. I remember a guy called Alberto Tomba. Oh, mm-hmm. remember Alberto Tomba? I remember him very well. He yeah. was quite a character. Uh, right? he, he was the guy that said, I, I can win because I'm not afraid to die. <laughs> he, he did. <laughs> he, he, he was an Italian policeman. He was. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was a, a nice high copper. He was a, he was a character. I can He's one of the few that wasn't corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rarity. Uh, but I always remember the giant slaloms then, you know, uh, and he was, uh, you know. Yes, yes. Uh, and he, I used to watch them all the time, but I, I often wondered just what role they would have played the stocks and the skis over the years of the contemporaries. Oh, the, the advancement is unbelievable, really, in the waxing of the skis and all that. Because in that, in that, in slalom and in downhill, you win by hundreds of a second. But the, but the same people still keep winning. Yeah. You should uh, go back into the family here, we're talking about the equipment, because you married Gwyneth, and Gwyneth's family had the biggest ski hire place in, the only one, I think, in the centre of Melbourne. Uh, well, yes, that's, well, that was Maloney's, of course, yes, yes. Not only that, Leon, but her father was his referee at times, yeah, well, and he always whinged, Jeff. Oh, he's picking on me all the time, picking on me, he won't let go of me. The only time he agreed with him when he asked for his daughter's hand. Is that right, Geoffrey? Well, I said I have to. She said you'll have to ask your father, and I said, "Oh, well, we might forget that for a moment." <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, that was a very big. I remember them very well. Uh, Hardware Lane or somewhere uh, like in that? King Street. King Street, and uh, and so you had to go and hire your gear and cart it up to the. Well, we then moved eventually. Moved it, yeah. My father-in-law was born in King Street, of course. Uh, then I took the business over and he then bought St Moritz. He owned St Moritz. Just just yeah. going away from the sport for a moment and to uh, other uh, other interests in the uh, in the snowfields. Uh, you were McIntyre? Peter McIntyre. Um, developed Dinner Plane, which yes, is... Yes, we did, uh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, you were familiar with Dinner Plane? I know Dinner Plane well, Falls Creek, Hotham. Yes, well, Falls Creek, yeah. we, I was responsible for putting the first lifts I and we had were. the lift company, 1961, yep. And, and I remember uh, uh, being at one of your uh, milestone birthdays. By the way, are you older or younger than Frank Sesman? Uh, we're about the same, I think, yeah. So uh, we've had both in their 90s, and they're marvellous, aren't oh. they? Um, so, uh, G- Jeff, uh, and tell us, just briefly, of course, because it's, sort of pro- it's a sports program generally, uh, a lot of golf, of course, in this, uh, but, but uh, you had a big problem with the plumbing, didn't you, uh, at dinner plane? Uh, well, always sewage disposal, the effluent is always a problem, <laughs> particularly in the mountains, and, uh, but we, we, it cost us a fortune, I can assure you. We put in facilities there, effluent facilities of a sewage discharge that would, would house 2,000 people and we only had a population to start with of something like, you know, 150. Uh, <laughs> that was the authorities, of course, yes. Yeah. Now, Geoffrey, don't downplay your wealth, I understand, and uh, you would be uh, understated there. 
But the more that this is going into this uh, podcast, the more I'm enjoying it. I've got a tingle down my spine. And I marvel at your achievements. No. But what I can't understand, and I'm reasonably well educated, as you probably gather, I can't understand why you would seek federal funding when you've amassed, you could have funded the whole, the whole sport on your own. Hey? I, I wish that was true. <laughs> well, actually, you hit a, the nail on the head there. Uh, as, as a bloke myself involved in the Olympics and all that, there was, of course, I think, a general feeling, Geoffrey, in your earlier days where nobody would help the skiers because they all uh, seemed to be public school people and, you know, plenty of money. Yet the reality is that a lot of them have got the flick out of their pants. Very much so, yes. But you've got to remember the participation also comes from the country. A lot of country people, Malcolm and Ross Mill. That's where the fields are, snow fields yes, are. definitely. And they're, they're not right. in the city. Yes. Yeah, they're farmers. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. No, uh, that's not quite true. There's no doubt about that. It's but there's, it is the perception. A lot of them are well healed, there's no doubt. But the broad perception, I would imagine, would be that it's an uppity sort of uh, sport. But as you'd write oh, it. expensive to be in. Yeah. Well, well yeah. it's, it's got to be, it goes for what, roughly 12 to 14 weeks a year. Yeah. You've got enormous capital expenditure. That's right. And uh, these days with snowmaking, and then the slow groom, slope grooming, the groomers, uh, 250, mm. 300,000, you know, and all that. Now, every sport's had to contend with this. A big challenge for them is drugs. Uh, have you noticed in your in in the field of Winter Olympics has that been an issue, and have you been able to control it? And who are the culprits? There are certain disciplines within the in the, within the, that are Olympic sports or Olympic accredited uh, that would be that could be the case to a point where there's strength required. But in the alpine side, that's the asylum, that's giant asylum and downhill, you, you wouldn't have drugs, but you, it just wouldn't enhance your performance. But when you come to the strength sports, there can be problems. Yeah. Right. Impact stuff, you know. Yeah, the impact, big, yeah. Big, strong blokes. The boards are. and all those sort of you got to do somersaults and well, know, zigzagging. Uh, I, I think, Jeff, you were referring to the summer, the, the weightlifters yeah, and all weightlifters, that. Yeah, they, they were the ones that yeah. perennially got into trouble. But right. I think they're doing their best to clear that up. And yeah, I don't in, in the alpine skiing, the, the, the big, not a problem, but the big thing is the safety side. When you're travelling at 130 k's an hour, yeah. And I've seen, you know, uh, as to how the design of your skis and the, the slope and how it's how it's uh, regulated and and uh, shall we say uh, looked after all to make sure that it is as safe as possible. That's the biggest problem, and that disciplines and some of the other ones is strength. And a thing that Jeff's been involved with, Sam, has been the Prime Minister's Olympic dinner. Um, uh, I think we're up to about number eight or ten. Yes, we started with Bob Hawke originally. Bob Hawke was the first one, and. Um, uh, Sir Donald Truscothic was the inaugural chairman and Jeff was aiding and abetting him and, uh, and has done for most of them all the way through. That's become the biggest fundraiser for the Olympics that uh, Victoria, and in fact Australia, uh, has yes, every yes, year. So yes, yes. Uh, well done with that. Yes, it's, uh, well it goes towards the, the athletes and it's directly towards the athletes. The AOC, as you know, uh, don't receive federal funding. Uh, the sports receive the funding, but the AOC's responsibility is to house and uh, clothe and, and fly all the athletes for winter and summer games. This is $20,000 a, a table, $2,000 a seat, and uh, they, they, they get 1,500, 2,000 people out of it, something yeah, like that. About uh, 1,200 roughly. 1,200, oh, yeah, yeah. always one to exaggerate. Jumps, yeah, well, it's not a bad 
piece of the pie already catered for when you get that sort of money in. Yes, but but, but the, 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 we certainly well, we're well supported by the artists, I must say. Yes. Uh, yes, and the late Tony Charlton used to comp here all the oh, time. Yeah. I think Eddie's done it a couple of times. Yes, and, um, so it's been a wonderful fundraiser. It raises something like $3 million. 2.4 exactly. Out of a 1,200 people? Yes. By 2,000 Plus ahead. sponsorship. Oh, you're going to throw that in now. You didn't tell me that initially, Leon. <laughs> Can't tell you everything. <laughs> now, one guy that's helped you along the way uh, is one of the Grollo brothers. And, uh, of course, Rick. we've read about them recently, and uh, you'd be a bit sad about that because they're all in the one group at one stage. But just a, a brief arrangement. They they split. One went on the construction, one went the other way. Yes. Uh, your man went the other way, which I suppose is fortunate. Well, Reno, Reno Grollo, uh, he is the one that's... Uh, uh, Bought into Mount Buller and, and done a, has done a great job, I must say. The ski lifts and the ski school and all the amenities there. Runo's uh, was advised by many people not to do it, but he did it and it's been a great success financially too, but he deserves all the credit you can give. And uh, he's been marvellous for the sports and from my point of view, uh, terrific. Not only that, but skiing's really risen in popularity, hasn't it? The yeah. winter sports. I mean, to say, you would have sent obvious from its embryonic days, but now, I mean to say, most cars head for the slopes again well, in June. Well, first of all, you've got to have good access, and the, the roads have improved enormously. Yeah. Then you've got to have the over-snow transport to get them into the mountains. Then you've got to have good lifting, you know, good chairlifts, yeah, chairlifts and yeah. things like that, and fast-flowing ones. And then you've got to have snowmaking and then grooming. And now if you put all those together, they're not cheap but they, they produce a lovely product from uh, from a sporting point of view. What about resorts? I guess, obviously you would look at places like Aspen. Yes. They would have been the, the, the blueprint for Australia. Was that yeah. the way? Well, it, the, the Americans, the, the, the traditional skiing, alpine skiing particularly, is, is in Austria. That's an alpine skiing. Uh, then, of course, cross-country skiing is in Norwegian. There's a Norwegian uh, sport as such, or Sweden. That's, that's very much there. So they're the two factors. And actually, alpine skiing leads the way, and uh, uh, it's the, the, the advancement has been enormous. The Americans showed the Austrians and the Europeans how to slope groom and produced these machines aren't cheap, to the, but the, 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 the Austrians and so forth had to follow suit in the end, whether they liked it or not. So there's a fair bit of cross-pollinisation too, isn't there? Yeah. A lot of the Austrians I know come to the resorts here as instructors. Well, they, they really were the pioneers as the ski schools. The hands grimace, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, by the way, just uh, one sport, one section of your sport that we haven't discussed yet is the speed skating, and uh, they've been terribly successful. Of course, gold medal and individual, and the teams, the, the teams yes. have done very well over the times. Yes, well, now that we've got like Olympic-sized rinks, this makes a big difference. And they have been successful. They're a very small group, but boy, they've uh, been uh, right on the ball, I must have say. You, have you seen Bradbury speak? Well, I have. I was just about to mention him. The success of Bradbury, albeit under <laughs> unbelievable circumstances. Yeah, but he's a, he's a very funny he man. He is a very funny and man. And you see him bring somebody from the audience. He does, he does. And, they, and everybody cramps up and yeah. they get you to, he gets you to tuck yourself up the way these guys have yeah. to be. And this is without skis, without yeah. having to do anything, just standing there on the stage and people just about die of a heart attack. Well, he won a bronze medal with, with the team before, before yeah. Salt Lake City. 
And uh, I must say, I give him full credit. When he won the gold medal, I thought, gosh, what are we going to have here? But he changed completely, and I must say, he's done a fantastic job for his sport and for winter sports. I think his greatest asset, as Leon alluded to, was his self-deprecation. <laughs> oh, he's, you out know, he's out there. He's fantastic. <laughs> I've worked with him a couple of times, and I reckon, I thought to myself, you know what? This guy's the greatest asset they'll ever, ever had. Not too serious, doesn't take himself too seriously. He's made a mockery of what transpired. And who knows? You know, good luck to him. You know, yes. it was a terrific. It was a great. He's on our board, and uh, so I see see a lot of him. And uh, right. And I must say, he's been a great contributor. Now, yeah, I just want to highlight something here. Uh, Jeff gave me a copy. I get this online, but the annual report of uh, the Winter Sports. Right. These two people here, Jeffrey. You better that, tell us who they are. Well, that's our annual report. That's the, this at the moment. They're two world champions in this one year, coming from what we've. We've, we've formed the Olympic Win Institute, which is owned solely by the Australian Olympic Committee, funded by the Australian Sports Commission as well. And this, we will take on any, any Olympian or a potential Olympian uh, that is in the first 15 in the world and we'll fund them, clothe them and send them to Europe and coach them. And uh, there at the moment, this is our, just this year alone, here's two world champions, Scotty James and the other is Alas from, from Canberra, uh, Laura Peel. Fantastic. World champions there yeah. on your one one year. Well, that's a terrific project you've yeah. got, the way you monitor them right through. They've got the potential. So they're in the top 15? Yeah. Then you house them, fund them. Coach them. And give them every opportunity to aspire to the pinnacle. Yes, and, and then they get the best of coaching best of everything. within the world. Yeah, definitely, yes. Now, we're going to ask you this. You, you're waiting for this, aren't you? I'm just about to leave. <laughs> Six times uh, the yeah, boss of the uh, winter team. And on one occasion, somebody slipped through your guard, and it might have been a guy called Colin Coates, uh, who's yeah. a he's a wonderful guy. Yes, six six time Olympian and such. Colin was a speed skater when I was playing hockey. <laughs> uh, he's not not too young, I can assure you. And uh, he'd been in five games, and uh, through me, of course, the, I made sure he was what they call uh, the sectional manager, not sexual sectional. <laughs> The manager and uh, and uh, Colin uh, wasn't very in very much in favour with his own fellows in his own federation, and they wouldn't appoint him. They wouldn't nominate him to the team, and I kept saying, "But he's good enough to be in the team, and he deserves it." No, no, and it's their prerogative. The Olympic Committee uh, doesn't override the national sporting body. They should know far more than than we should know about it. Right. So we're in Calgary. And uh, Colin kept saying to me, I see my name's up there on the board as, a, as being entered in to, as a team member and to be a competitor. I said, yes, Colin, that's because we've got you in as you're the manager and the coach of those boys that you've got with you. But if we didn't have you entered that way, uh, we wouldn't get you into the, into the, into the village and you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be the the the, 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 the the, the manager or coach of them. second guy, yeah. But you can't compete because your, your own sport won't, but won't let you. He said, but my name's up there. I said, no, Colin, it's not on, you know. So uh, this particular day that I'm watching television in our, in our office, our, all the athletes are looking on television, and that's where the, where we were, was where they were running the short track speech. It was the University of... Uh, of uh, Calgary. Calgary. And all of a sudden on the screen... I looked, I can see Colin competing. 
<laughs> and all, all the team members, they must have known him, and they're all looking over this yeah. I said, oh, I said that would have been before the games. He was competing in some of the World Cups. Uh, they, they let him do that. Wait a minute. He's got our skill, our, our, our team uniform on, and I brought the uniform over. <laughs> well, I took off, and I threw the tunnels, cause, you know, and I got on the middle of the rink, and I looked at both my hands, and I looked at his throat. <laughs> and as he's going around, and the... And the the announcer was saying uh, that he's got a, a personal record and how great it is against, it's one-on-one, -on -one, the two. And all of a sudden I look over and here's the king of, of uh, Sp Sp Sweden. And that, they announced, look, here's the king of Sweden getting up and acclaiming him. What a great effort. And I'm still looking at my hands. Yeah. Like There's a saying. great photo of that yeah. with, with, uh, <laughs> with Jeff pointing and trying to get him off the track. And oh, it was a complete... Uh, Shambles, but anyway, he uh, he's up. For, he's now a six-time Olympian, yes, uh, no. uh, and and he hasn't enjoyed good health lately. So no. good on you, old son. Hope you uh, hope you're doing well. Um, one guy that we should mention, and uh, Sam will know him well. Is, you know, you, if you made a list of the great characters in sports you've ever met, in my in my ten, right up near the top would be Peter Bennett. Oh, who yeah, played full yeah. forward for yeah. uh, St Kilda. He was second goal, ki uh, goal kicker to John <laughs> Coleman in the carnival team in Perth. Uh, a dual Olympian, should have been captain of Australia uh, in the water polo. Um, and married Marjorie McQuaid. Ma married an Olympian, Marjorie McQuaid. And, uh, <laughs> um, she finished up being mayor of Brighton or some <laughs> damn thing, Marjorie, of course. Uh, both both gone there. But what, how, how did your friendship with Peter develop? Uh, well, Peter, Peter um, used to follow uh, the ice hockey. He very, oh, did he? Oh, yes. And, uh, well, he played water polo just here and, at, and, at, at, at uh, South Pacific. And, and so their team, I wasn't on that team, but I was uh, I was still very friendly with that team. They used to, we'd go and watch the water polo and they'd come and watch the hockey and uh, social events, uh, both would combine together for fundraising. So Peter was a great guy, a fantastic fellow. Leon, Peter Montgomery. Coffs yes. Harbour. Yep. Yep. He owns yeah. that. Yeah. Very wealthy bloke. Well, two two years ago, I went to Coffs Harbour. Peter invited me to speak to all the water. He has a hundred years yeah, yeah. of water polo. I think I mentioned that lunch. Yeah. Do you? He has a, an annual event. He has an annual to. event, which was fan yeah. which reminds me, on one particular occasion, uh, Kerry Ann Kenley's husband. Yes. He, uh, that's uh, where he. Uh, uh, that's where he slipped on the steps. Slipped yeah. on the steps, and I remember. Yeah. But Ben Montgomery was. Uh, Big water polo. Well, uh, Peter's first Olympics were my last. And Peter also finished up in, in Jeff's role as vice president of the VA. Uh, yeah, right. the yeah. Victoria Olympic Still came back to me, yeah. And he was on a lot of international panels yeah. through the IOC. Yeah. Uh, very smart bloke, very wealthy bloke. And I'll tell you a story about him. He lives in a big castle. Yes. Uh, in, in just near Rose Bay. And... Um, Anyway, Peter, you know, he's into everything, you know. He's never been married and he's just one of those guys that, uh, you know, is a, just an entrepreneur. No one knows how he makes all his money, but he makes plenty of it. Anyway, he came across a place on the other side of Sydney, another castle, so he bought it. And somebody said to, to his financial advisor, how's Peter going at the moment financially? No one ever knows. And he said, oh, he's a bit long on castles. <laughs> yes. He's a terrific bloke. In fact, the whole water polo family were fantastic that weekend. <coughs> it was a great, great occasion. So, Jeffrey, look, 
on face value, I know you're approaching and you don't want anyone to mention your years, but, you know, you're still very active, you're lucid, uh, you look fantastic. I, I, I know you'd wield an enormous amount of influence, but are you still very much hands-on? Well, I'll go till the team uh, competes in Beijing. The Winter Games... That's uh, 2050. No, t- <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I hope you're right. Uh, no, t- the year yeah. after Tokyo. Tokyo is next year, and the following year will be the Winter Games in Beijing. I asked Leon this question, because the, the Olympic movement has been riddled with a lot of chicanery and underhanded dealings, and particularly when it comes to the vote. Now, I know you were instrumental in Sydney and a couple of votes for Australia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you see evidence of that and how compromised were a lot of the... Uh well, I saw it more when we were bidding for Melbourne and we Melbourne was put up first, as you know, and we were unsuccessful. That was for 96. Yes, correct. Yeah. And I saw it more then. It was started to be culled out a bit better after that. Uh, some of the nations that really... The IOC members had the vote, as you know, and uh, they certainly flouted There's no doubt about that. The poorer nations, yeah, yeah. Yes, and that was very evident all the time. Uh, it was disgraceful. We brought some of them out between you and me f- to uh, look at the facilities, inspect them, and uh, they went to the dentist straight away. I got their appendix out and things like that. It was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was unbelievable. Yeah. But uh, in latter years, of course, uh, the, the IOC members don't, don't come and inspect the facility and it's been banned, so that, that's, that's saved a lot of problems, definitely. Uh, Jeff, um, a question without notice. Um, in your long career as an official in the winter sports, is there some other official around the world that you've uh, treated like a, the hero, the guy that yeah, you emulated? Yeah. Well, I was nominated for the FIS, Federation National Ski Executive Board, and my president there was Mark Hodler, who was an IOC member and vice president. He's no longer with us now, but... Mark was 47 years in the chair for the FIS. What country? Uh, from Switzerland. He was a Swiss lawyer. Remarkable his contribution. He came to Australia and was talking about the Melbourne bib with me and I took him to the MCG and uh, so forth. Now, he, he's a, I always admired Mark. He did a fantastic job. Loved sport and did everything possible for it. Jeff, what did they... In, 40, in the 40s, I think, 49 or whatever it was, what did they refer to as the Rebel Victorian Hockey League? Well, there were two... There, uh, I often think that some of the sports uh, become very aggressive, the ones that are, are aggressive sports in their own in their own sphere. And I think ice hockey, I think boxing, uh, you know, I think of those... They acquire that, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I think sometimes it spreads to, to the officials <laughs> <laughs> when they've retired. I'm not being nasty, but... I, it's amazing. Uh, yes, that, that can happen. Uh, and we had two leagues. We had a, in St. Ritz had uh, four teams, and the Glacierum had five. Right. And they, they played their own games, uh, you know, each week. And then at the end of the year, they agreed to, to the top team from the Glacierum met the top team from the St. Ritz. And boy, oh boy. Well, I, I used to watch the. I used to love the ice hockey when I watched it from overseas. Yes, I, I thought it was one of the most brutal games in the world. You see the puck in the middle, and they go you know, whack. Oh, when they, they when they the thing that really gets you. When I first on went the, on to, the boards, oh, yeah, on, on the, the boards, boards that's oh. a, a smash into that was personal yeah. or something. Now, but when I first went to see a senior game of football close up as a kid, and I heard the bang when one player hit another, I thought, God. 
when I went to the first hockey game, yeah. uh, the same the same crazy, yeah, uh, same. sensation when they hit the the side wall and they'd hammer each other. It's a game that's only played by gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, in, in, in inverted commas. An interesting point, though, is in the AFL, I'm watching the girl, women play at the moment. In ice hockey, the women, it's uh, body checking's banned. Is it? You know, I think AFL could look something like that. Yeah. No body checking. That would be the end of your career. <laughs> oh, please, Leon. <laughs> no body checking. We're on air. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it, I was winding the clock back a bit. <laughs> yeah. But it, they really... I think they're pretty safe now, Leon. <laughs> <laughs> they, ha- they have to pay the puck, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and uh, that's that, it really is quite a good standard of, of hockey. But that uh, won't catch on in the men's, will it? Because that's, oh, no, that's, that's, that's a real oh, highlight no, for no, the men. Only, only the women. I mean, I, I, it's, it, it, look, people go to the wrestling and boxing because they, they like that. That's yeah. what they like. Well, they're, people fight. They're paying for a bit of blood, yeah. most people, because they're bored. They're boring people themselves. <laughs> now, talking about fights, and this is you were right in the middle of one a couple of years ago, the fight of the two Johns. Oh, yeah. Now, how did you handle that? Because you had a foot in both camps. Yeah, interesting. Well, uh, I'm, an, I'm an Olympic man, and I believe what the Olympic uh, Federation's done for Australia is for Winter Games and for the, all the sports has been tremendous. So I naturally have to have to stick behind John, and I did. I make that quite public uh, because uh, what he's done for the Olympic movement. That's coach. Co- yes. And uh, what he's done for the Olympic movement has been outstanding, as proven. Now, he will be responsible in the end for Brisbane getting the next Games, for sure. I can, and that'll be announced, I reckon, within the next 18 months. He's done a remarkable job. So- Yes. Where'd the level of angst, why, I haven't asked Leo, why'd the level of angst all of a sudden evolve around John? Why, because of his autocratic ways? No, John was suspicious. We've, we had problems, as you know, with regard to Moscow, going to Moscow mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, with Fraser. And uh, the, the idea was that we, we were always suspicious of the, uh, the, the, the government wanted to take over the Olympic movement. And uh, so that was that was what it was about. He was concerned that the funding that the the, the bank balances of the AOC had earned, and uh, because of Sydney in 2000, of course, uh, uh, we had a very good balance bank balance, and uh, uh, he was concerned that the Sports Commission uh, would or may want to take it. Yeah, the Sports uh, Commission being a government agency. Yes, correct. Yes, uh, but that was run by John Wiley. For those that don't know, and. John Wiley is a very decent bloke and a very intelligent bloke. So he had these two intellects fighting each other. It was difficult for a whole lot of people to understand, yeah. you know, why the fight was on. Because it was a very good question, Sam. That was why. Why was that well, fight? On? Um, two good people you need. I had cups of coffee with John Wiley quite a few times, and uh, my position was always clear with John. We, we know one another very well. We, we, I think, we're good friends. But when it comes to the voting of John Coates, I must tell you I'm supporting him because of the record that he has and the potential that he's got for the good, for the good of the Olympic movement. And uh, we always remain good friends after that. At least he knew where he stood. Well, uh, John Wiley has recently retired from, mm. and I thought he did a terrific job. He, he applied a whole lot. And look, there was a clash going to happen anyway, and uh, uh, it was just unfortunate. It was a very, only- bad, a very bad time for Australian sport. That it was. Leon, if only football were conduct its business in the same vein as Jeff Henke when people walk up to you and say, listen, I'm supporting you, you know, <laughs> I've got your back. 
Well, you know, as soon as I say that, Jeff, in our business, you are rooted, Padre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, I support the coach. I the su- worst thing you want to hear. Worst thing you want to hear. <laughs> well, I'm behind the president. The president's got my full support. Our, our guest has been Jeff Henke. He's a legend in winter uh, winter games. He's uh, been justly rewarded with a whole lot of titles and uh, acknowledgements around the world. And it's a great pleasure to have her here, cousin. And uh, uh, more strength to you. Thank you, Leonard. Thank you, Sam. It's been an absolute delight. I feel <laughs> got a tingle down my spine. Just a, the superstars uh, of Australian. A, a glass of Mitchell and Print will get rid of that. Oh, and, and I, we're just about to have a bottle for Jeff as well. We should imbibe a little, a little tincture. We'll it. see you next week, folks. <laughs> <laughs>